0: Welcome to Fates Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Hello, everybody. Hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you may be listening to us, yes. we're grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. It's
1: been three or four weeks since we recorded. Uh, yeah. It's,
0: it's been a while. How, uh, how
1: has your life been?
0: Not bad, you know. Um, there was uh, a birthday, uh, my birthday, and yeah. my wife's birthday, mm-hmm. and Father's Day. Um, and my daughter's first birthday is coming up here in a, in a few weeks. We're actually having the party this weekend, yeah. but the actual birthday is not until the, uh, the 14th. So yeah, it's been uh, you know lots of craziness, but you know, work is work is work, work is slow, life is good, can't complain too much. How about you? You know how my life has been? How? In my life
1: there's been heartache and pain. I don't God. know if I can face it again. I watched this episode last
0: night and I've been doing this all day long, and it's a wonder that Betsy hasn't killed me. <laughs> I mean, I guess the real question is, Dennis, that I have to ask you is, do you want to know what love is? I want you to show me. We'll get there. we'll get there. We, yes. we'll get there. Oh, we are going to um, get there. We're going to we're going
1: to break that down. We're going to break down that little love montage. I'm
0: gonna for tell you, sure. I'm going to tell
1: you about the my most heartbreaking moment in this episode at the end of that montage. All right.
0: I look forward to that. Yeah. It, yeah. I. You know, it's funny because. I, all I could think, and I, I thought it was, but I didn't know for sure, but all I could think watching this episode is, man, Temptation Eyes, that is such a, like 80s song title if I ever heard one. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, they use Do You Want to Know What Love Is in the music montage. Yeah. Come to find out that there is actually a song, Temptation Eyes, it was from the 70s, not the 80s, mm-hmm. and all I could think is, like, why didn't they use that song?
1: I, I don't I don't uh, I don't know how could you not this is one of those uh, when they put the DVDs out and they took the music out yeah yeah that that just killed this episode for me so I'm well. glad to see it with blu-ray uh, or an IMDB
0: channel which where I watched it on through Amazon Prime um, yeah I you know what I went the NBC route I it was one of those things where I was in a pinch didn't have the blu-rays with me so I was I had to watch it uh, on NBC Um which is fine. You Ar- know, is I mean, it original
1: a- music on NBC?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, and I, yeah. and
1: I, I am sitting here uh, drinking my orange spice tea mm. out of my
0: Scott Bakula Quantum Leap mug. Yes, sir, you are. Uh, I, um, on the other hand, am actually drinking a uh, Manhattan made with some rye whiskey that... Yeah. Jessica bought me for uh, Father's Day, so... Oh, fantastic. We'll see how I'm doing at the end of the episode. It could get Uh, interesting. After
1: I get this, I may switch over to whiskey. We'll
0: see. Uh, So, hello. So, in case... uh, Yeah, we're talking about Temptation Eyes this week. We we are. um, And Temptation Eyes is uh, directed by... Uh, Christopher Hibbler this is actually the first of four episodes that he would direct he'll go on to do Starlight Star Bright A Tale of Two Sweeties and Goodbye Norma Jean Uh, it was written by Paul Brown this is the 12th of 13 episodes uh, that he has written he started with The Kamikaze Kid back in season 1 went on to do uh, some interesting episodes like Disco Inferno which I think we could easily say we're fans of Uh, Catch a Falling Star which obviously has it's moments but it's also a little problematic Uh, All Americans (laughs) yep um has its one, moments, uh, but also a little problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the episodes that I think I could I can safely say is probably one of our favorites. Certainly one of my favorites. Good night, dear heart. Yep. Um, Maybe baby. Rebel without a clue. Runaway. Private dancer. Nuclear family. The wrong stuff. Uh, Temptation Eyes naturally, and then he'll go on to also do It's a Wonderful Leap. So um, yeah, uh, he also was a producer on 65 episodes of Quantum Leap. He, he would also work on The X Files and Star Trek Voyager. Um, so this is know, not quite a Star
1: the, Trek podcast.
0: No. I'm this just <laughs> <laughs> I know so, well we, you know we'll get there. yeah uh, but uh, yeah, so so obviously a good pedigree there as far as the writing goes. The air date was January 22nd, 1992, and our leap date is February the 1st, 1985. However, an interesting fact that we'll talk a little bit more about later is that the episode actually spans February 1st through February 14th, 1985. so it makes it one of the uh, confirmed longer leaps that we've had. We know that, you know, there are some that we speculate, oh, well, he must have been there for X amount of time, but this we know for a fact he's there for two, two weeks, weeks, which is... Uh, so this uh, is probably one of the longer confirmed televised leaps. Yeah, I think some exactly. The, I think
1: some of the novels went on for longer.
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah.
1: yeah, uh, Fantastic. Well, let's jump into the... Uh, again, as always, um, we are packing for a move, so I packed away my, uh, my copy of Beyond the Mirror
0: Image, so I have to... Uh, I have to defer to you. You do, I know, and I'm sorry, I feel a little bad here because it's, it's, it's really, you've owned this for so long, but uh, before I jump right in, real quick, two things that I normally mention. Uh, Sam has leapt into Dylan Powell, who mm-hmm. is a Channel 12 news reporter, and we are in San Francisco, California. Um, this, the 13th episode of season four, was also known in Germany as The Good Son, in France oh, it was known as murder in Chinatown. Okay, that makes sense. The the Good Sun? Is that what it was called? And yeah.
1: That uh, Okay. That, I know. Makes no sense at all. The good SON? The good Yep. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. I know we were talking about it off mic before. You wanted to hit me with this
0: cold without me hearing what the yeah. title okay. is. In, in Italy it was known as Almond Eyes. Oh god. Yeah. Oh, God. I know. Oh,
1: oh, my yeah. oh man.
0: Yeah. And, oh, oh man. And furthermore, Matt Dale, uh, our, our beloved author of Beyond the Mirror Image, included a footnote. Uh, this is, indeed, if there was any doubt left, a racist slang in Italy describing the shape of an Asian person's eyes.
1: You, you know, off mic, I was, I was saying that it couldn't be any worse than is their life after the rape for raped and it just got worse than is their life after the rape <laughs> oh my yeah.
0: god yeah I know I just I oh yeah. oh Italy
1: oh well
0: alright yeah yeah I, I <laughs> needed to take a I needed to take a drink after that one um our TV guide description oh god you ready for this one oh god
1: I I I have a feeling that this is going to be a very punny a
0: very punny description uh, yeah I mean it, 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 well yeah Sam tunes in to a TV reporter covering serial murders in San Francisco and something clicks with the police's psychic consultant who may be the next victim they're fired <laughs> <laughs> I know they could have done so much more all they did was tunes in I mean it's like oh, alright well. right. so there you have it so let's so so let's leap in
1: here shall let's we let's do it um, yeah so you know so, so Sam leaps in he is he they are going live on the scene uh, him and his cameraman Ross um, to I think they say like to the sixth murder in Chinatown yeah we're live you're on oh boy opening credits
0: yeah, it's, you know, it's a perfect example of, you know, a, a common trope that we've seen a number of times. Obviously, at this point, we're, you know, halfway through the fourth season of Sam leaping in, being that fish out of water, uh, having to adapt. Uh, and I think it's it's played well here for comedic purposes, which is, is uh, you know, an interesting choice. And I think it's the right choice, especially considering the tone of the episode uh, to come. And there are a couple of comedic moments in the episode, uh, which which work well, I think because it does bring some levity to some otherwise dark proceedings. Sure. Um, so this is, I, I think, this is just kind of like one of those standard, very well done. You know, I'm not I'm not knocking it for being standard, but it's that standard sort of fish out of water leap in, um, as Sam has to. You know, stumble his way through uh, this this report.
1: Watching this, I I am surprised because I've been living with the show for for over twenty five years now. There are mm-hmm. still the beginnings of some episodes, like the first five minutes when Sam is flailing, where I get I can't remember what the term is. I get viscerally embarrassed. Yep, for Sam. Yep, in these moments, like like I got to pause it. I just got to take it in a moment. And this is one of those yeah where he's flailing on camera. Like he's obviously is, is in a uh, and not a good a gruesome situation. He's at the scene of a murder and he's just flailing to
0: to try to figure out what he's supposed to say on camera. Yeah, um, yeah, to the point where he he actually has to check his name badge to, to to know who he is when he signs off. Sure. And the you know the mic to see the channel that he's representing. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and of course Ross the cameraman has a great reaction, mm. uh, you know, immediately just like, what are you doing? Like, everybody, and then, uh, you know, I think another thing that's nice is it establishes the fact that the stakes here are high for, you know, the actual Dylan and and Ross to a degree because, as Ross says, you know, the networks are watching. Um, yeah. And, and that, obviously, the hope is, is that because they're covering this big story that they'll get some notice and, and perhaps be able to kind of move up in the ranks. Yeah.
1: you know, I just now, I figured out a plot hole in this episode. A huge a huge glaring pothole in this episode. Plot, plot hole? Pothole? I live in Chicago. We have potholes <laughs> yeah, everywhere, yeah, okay. right? Yeah. Uh, a huge plot hole, but I will come back to that later on. Okay, anyway, I'm going to hold you to it. Uh, so uh, so pretty, in pretty quick order, we meet uh, Tamlin. She is brought in. We find out that she is a, a, a psychic working with the police. I meant to look up if this was ever... Ever a thing, if any police department famously tried to do this ever of working with a psychic,
0: yeah, or
1: okay. or was this just a complete fabrication made up for TV, and
0: was this a backdoor pilot? <laughs> oh, interesting. Pro- probably yeah. not, but they could have made it. I never, yeah, I never, uh, I never thought about that particular uh, aspect of it, but I do know that. Um, that, you know, yeah, believe it or not, the police and even the FBI have historically worked with psychics. Um, you know, however you want to judge that, I, you know, that's, it's entirely up to you if you think it actually exists or if it doesn't. Um, but oddly enough, it is something, um, that has happened. Uh, now there's a famous, uh, uh instance, I believe, with uh, Sylvia Brown, um, who, uh, you know, who who, who told uh, a parent uh, of a child that had been kidnapped that the, the kid was dead, and then they ended up finding, uh, you know, like, almost ten years later, um, she was found alive. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is that they, they have... Um, now, whether or not it's a it's a real professional relationship or if it's just someone calling in saying, like, hey, I have some information and this is why I know this. And, you know, then the cops just doing their due diligence follow up on it, regardless of whether or not they believe it or not. Who knows? But I do know that that is something that that they yeah, that they've um, there. It's 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 a real thing. <laughs> All right. All right.
1: Good to know. So, uh yeah, so we get this uh, uh this meet cute between Sam and Tamlin, and it's obvious from the beginning. They no pun intended. They got eyes for each other. Yeah. They like each other. Here's a fun drinking game for this episode. Take one drink every time Tamlin says, "I've got a feeling about it." <laughs> this is that's her oh boy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, you know, it's funny, actually, you texted me um, uh, last night, I believe, uh, saying that Tamlin Matsuda equals Deanna Troy. She
1: is. Uh, uh, for, for the scene that we are coming up on right now. Yeah. Yeah, when they, uh, when they finally bring her in to the crime scene, and she's holding the pillow, and she's telling the story of how this woman got murdered. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I will say right off the bat um, that um, Tamlin Tamida, who plays Tamlin Matsuda, um, does a wonderful job throughout the course of the episode, you know, establishes the character well. Um, People might know her. I mean, I recognized her immediately uh, for two roles in particular. One was she played Kumiko in The Karate Kid Part 2, which is the love interest of, of... Daniel Ralph Macchio's character, um, and then uh, she also uh, had the role of Lieutenant Commander Laurel Takashima in the pilot for Babylon Five. Oh. Um, now, initially, she was indeed the the character. Had, you know, um, Jay Michael Straczynski, who wrote the show, he had planned out this huge arc for the character, and uh, and one of the interesting facets of the character is that she was. Um, she was going to be a lesbian, and at the time in 1993, I want to say when the show started to air, I, my math could be wrong there. It might have been 94. It was 90. Mm. I think it was 93. But anyway, yeah. uh, that would have been, you know, fairly revelatory to have a, a lead character. You you know, as a lesbian, and 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 the fact that there was no attention drawn to it, Mm. Um, you know, there was never any you know statement of like this is who she is or whatever, but that there was an arc that was planned in for her to have a romantic relationship with another woman, um, that that particular arc would actually have you know cost her. quite a bit, uh, you know, as a character. Anyway, regardless, she unfortunately, the character was dropped and, and replaced with a, another character who kind of took over the arc, but there were some tweaks that were made, whether that was oh. you know, network insistence or sponsor, sure. you know, insistence, who knows, but uh, unfortunately that's the only episode that she's in, is actually the, the pilot. Um, she also would go on to do uh, seven episodes of JAG. Uh, more recently, she uh, did a run on uh, Teen Wolf, Man in the High Castle, and she is currently a regular on the ABC show The Good Doctor, so oh, still, okay. still working, still working, quite okay. successfully.
1: Fantas- oh, uh, yeah, she was on an episode of Counterpart, which I started and I haven't finished yet. I need to get back and uh, finish that off. Uh, but yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, so they get into this scene, um, and she's kind of telling the story of how this woman was murdered. And this is where we first in the flashback, we get our first glimpse of who I named, Mustache McGee. <laughs> Tony. Who, who ends up uh, Tony Tony Besh, who ends up being the copycat murderer. Um, but yeah. So meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, Ross has snuck him and Sam around and decide to record these proceedings uh, from the window. And so we're kind of seeing it from from their point of view of the, the body and the and, and Tamlin embracing the pillow and telling the story and, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, you know, and it's, it, it is a, I think, potentially, you know, quite a chilling scene because one of the things that definitely happens over the course of this episode in the, the flashes that she gets of the murders. Sure. Um, you know, I don't want to say they're graphic, but I would say for... You know what we're used to on Quantum Leap, they certainly kind of go there. Go there. Uh, you know? There are
1: definite more of a style in
0: the uh, reminiscent of Dreams. Hmm. Exactly. This uh, episode, I yeah. feel like has some has has sort of some common threads with that episode. I think. Yeah. Um, so
1: yeah.
0: Oh, go ahead and come on in. Hey.
1: Sorry. Sorry. Hello. Say hello to say hello to Betsy, everybody.
0: Hi, Ho- Betsy.
1: Host by proxy. Uh, I record <laughs> in our, I recorded our bedroom. So yeah, she had to come in and get something here. Uh, did Betsy watch the episode with you? She did watch the episode with me. So we're gonna. Uh, I don't uh, think she, she have had, feelings. She didn't really have any strong thoughts. But at one particularly heartbreaking moment for me, I turned to her and I kind of unloaded about my thoughts at that moment.
0: Oh. But
1: uh, okay. But yeah, we'll. Uh, but yeah, we'll get there. Um, so is is I don't know if there's much more to say about this scene. So yeah, we kind of get what
0: Tamlin's story is, what her deal is, and uh, well, I have ahead. a question for you actually because as I, as I was watching the the episode, certainly these earlier chunks uh, uh, of the episode before we kind of get into the romantic subplot and and our overarching plot of, of solving you know the crime. Um, what did you think uh, about Sam's easy acceptance, seemingly anyway of? of Tamlin being a psychic.
1: I think he is so googly eyed over her. Mm -hmm. He's, he's pretty much along for the ride of whatever her story is.
0: Yeah, I know that that, that's kind of the direction I went as well, because one of the things, and I I can't remember exactly where this was. um, It might've been on IMDB, but, but you, you know, one of the goofs that they pointed out, which I don't necessarily think is a goof is that in one of my favorite episodes, Portrait for Troyan, um, that Al ah. um, believed in, in ghosts and that, you know, that sort of supernatural phenomenon, whereas Sam said that he didn't. And, uh, you know, the question, of course, uh, being that why would he believe so easily in psychics um, and that Al is the one who, you know, kind of poo-poo's the whole thing. All along, and and to be honest with you, while I can certainly see why someone would lump both phenomena into the same category, uh, I do think that they're that they are separate, and I think that let's face it, there's been scientific testing um, done um, in pursuit of of both of these things. Uh, You know, I mean, I think one of the more famous examples is that you know the MK Ultra program with with the CIA and everything, and trying to you know use. LSD, for instance, to actually kind of prompt psychic abilities um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, men of science um, were, were trying to see if, if the human brain could, could develop these abilities, whereas, uh, you, you know, the phenomenon of ghosts could, could easily sit separate from something like that. Um, so. It didn't necessarily bother me at all, uh, even without the explanation that you gave, but I kind of agree. I think that it's, you know, because of his infatuation with her, um, that, that it's easy for him to, to go along for the ride. Yeah.
1: Now, along those lines, I did
0: notice, uh, so
1: we're, we're, we're moving to Tamlin's place. Uh, Scott met up with, Tam, or, or Sam meets up with Tamlin afterwards, wants to go hang off. Ross wants to go have a drink. Um. Sam obviously wants to go off with her so they end up back at Tamlin's place when Al shows up he does make an offhand comment about Ouija boards and mood rings yeah and I remember like from Disco Inferno Al was pretty into mood rings yes he was so that kind of jumped out at me right uh, but I'm reading the comment that the one person did leave uh you know that that Al and Sam have kind of flipped places um right but one I think would have been too much for the episode for Sam have to have to overcome any skepticism in Tamlin's psychic abilities, and fall in love with her, and do all that because that's what this episode is about. Is that Sam gets to take a break from being the hero, and he gets to be Sam, and he gets to have yeah. uh, he gets to have a little bit of a life. So uh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that you know, kind of piggybacking on that, uh, he, uh, I, I think that there's a certain acceptance of her abilities early on, but I don't think he buys into it fully until a little bit later in the episode. So I think that he even has a dose of skepticism, so I don't know that it's fair to kind of immediately jump on the fact of like, oh, well, Sam's acting out of character. It's like, well, yeah. You know, I think that there's a little more to it than that, and I think that that's proven by what happens, you know, later in the episode. Yeah. Uh,
1: So in this episode, uh, or in this scene, uh, when Al shows up, we find out that uh, we kind of get a hint of this in the first scene. Is that the reason why Ross and Dylan are were there so early on in the murder in the first scene? Is that the killer has been calling and tipping Dylan off? Yeah, for six murders, and Tamlin is going to be the seventh victim in two weeks on Valentine's Day, and that's and that's the setup. Um, why why are Dylan and Ross? being tipped off about this and why is Tamlin going to be the seventh victim and there's going to be four more victims after that because Sam points out that he'll just take her away from here and then Al points out it's like no there's four more victims so you have to figure out who the killer is yeah so that's where we are uh, and then Tamlin goes to make some tea uh, that's where uh, Sam and Al have this conversation and then Tamlin pops back in and says do you like orange spice Sam Yep. Yeah. And we know from Catch a Falling Star that Sam's favorite tea is in fact Orange Spice. Which by the way is yeah. what I'm what I'm drinking right now. Uh, some orange spice tea here, so yeah.
0: And worth reiterating as we noted, you know, just a little bit earlier that Paul Brown was responsible for writing Catch a Falling Star ah,
1: so that's nice. as well.
0: That's a nice little callback, so he has intimate knowledge of Sam Beckett's
1: tea preference, yeah, and let's uh. talk about let's talk about Sam's nineteen eighties sports jackets and suit jackets <laughs> there
0: was a definite style going on there, oh yeah, it's interesting too because usually uh he's not wearing a tie, mm-hmm. He only wears a tie, like in that first scene, I think, right? Yeah, uh, I think you know
1: it's one of those things. I think he's wearing a tie in almost every scene until he's he he can just be Sam. Okay, and then and then then there's less tie. I feel sure. like they, I feel like uh, Jean Pierre did a very uh, very subtle, but there's just a slight difference in the costume change after Sam's reveal. Or after Tamlin mm-hmm. can see him for who he is, where he, he dresses a little b- bit more like what I would picture Sam dressing like. Yeah. Than, than Dylan.
0: Right. Like the scene in particular that I'm thinking of is when they go to visit Ross in the, uh, editing bay. Yes. He, it, it yeah, that feels like, oh, this is what Sam would wear, not what Dylan would wear. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's a um, good point. Yeah.
1: And so, uh, also in the scene, we, we get a set up that psychics can't foresee their own deaths. Yep. Um, and that Tamlin can also, she can sense Al
0: around. Yeah, which is interesting because she can sense him, but she never... It's not even that she senses him, it's that she senses something. Yes. That there's something going on. Um, but the funny thing is, and something that was mentioned, uh, over on Al's Place, I believe, um is that it's odd that sam never tells her about al okay let's jump ahead let's jump
1: ahead there right now because yes uh that was my heartbreaking moment that i went off on betsy about last night is that we come to the end of the montage and al shows back up which by the way has this beautiful shot of you get the first hint that al is there not by seeing him but by the cigar smoke yep As Sam is laying in bed, like the camera pans over and you see the cigar smoke. And that's the indication that Al is there. So, yes, in that scene. It's reveal. Yeah. You you pick up that Sam never told Hamlin about Al. Yeah. And you got to feel like I I take away from the montage, like for two weeks, he's been able to be Sam. Like he has told her his full story. Yep. As he can remember it. Yeah. Al is his best friend. And he doesn't tell her, like he doesn't say, "Hey, you remember that first night at your place, and you felt something weird."
0: That's my best friend Al. Right. It's strange because that's it's I think that that specifically is a, is a missed opportunity. Um, I, I, I want to rewind real quick. The the sure. whole when you know when she figures out who he is and she says, who are you? Yeah. Um, it, there's a really, it, they, they do a wonderful job of sort of sub, subverting the conventions of the show. Um, but it's done in a very subtle emotional way. And there's some wonderful character development for both of them. I feel like mm-hmm. for, for all of them. And it works really, really well. Um, you know, his, his, Confession of I'm Sam Beckett is so good, and the way he says it, and 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 the fact that Al's there, and, and the whole scene, the way that it plays out. There's this beautiful uh, combination of of you know heart and and comedy, um, and the conceit of the show kind of getting deconstructed. Um, so it ends up being a really great moment, uh, and 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 in spite of sort of the rapid development of their love story, it, it works well, I think, because there's you know, Tamlin has this emotional accessibility and vulnerability, I think, due to her powers and some of the stuff that she shares with Sam. And, of course, Sam's re- revelation, not only to the audience and to Tamlin, but for himself, that he gets to be Sam Beckett, is powerful, so you buy into it. And then the montage hits, and this is the interesting thing. I
1: want to know what love
0: is. <laughs> and it's and and because of the song, yeah. in, in particular it's pure corn. Like yeah. it is just corn gold to, to the hilt, but it, it works for the most part because it does leave to our imagination. What exactly, what specifically Sam is telling her. And yet you get the sense that he's telling her everything. Yeah. The thing is, I'm uh, I'm with you. Why doesn't he tell her about, al like he would have to mention al Like he would have if he's telling her the whole story like are we to just assume that he's like telling her about random leaps that he's had perhaps but nothing else and now he's you know maybe all or his... maybe he's yeah or maybe he's trying to share with her that he doesn't remember everything because he's got these holes in his memory as well i don't know yeah the, the, it, it, it's very strange because in a way it feels earned but it does feel like it leaves something out yes
1: how how do you not tell her about
0: Al? Especially because we know they basically spend two weeks together. Yeah. In right. two weeks. In two... I mean, well, I have an idea of what he was doing rather than telling her about Al, but that's not the point. But that's... The yes. point is... Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but anyway, so let's jump in way ahead. Um, so we go to the police station the next day and this is where we get the scene Uh, we meet Collins what a piece of work that Collins guy Um, oh Collins let's look I I don't think he he doesn't even have a photo up on IMDB what happened to the actor what happened to Kent Williams
0: yeah so he the the only other credit that he has actually is uh, uh, four episodes of Hill Street Blues (laughs) who is Bernard okay alright yeah okay
1: Uh, maybe it was his, his, his side gig his side hustle I don't know um but anyway, so this is where um, this is where Tamlin finds, yeah, Tony besh we get this is kind of cheesy. She stumbles upon a face that 's the wrong face, and he 's hiding behind this guy, maybe it 's literal turn the page there he is i 've always found yeah. that a little bit i 've always found that a little bit cheesy, but anyway uh but then we cut to uh we cut to tony 's lair and we we get to see tony and he
0: 's watching the news and uh and, yeah. tony feels like you're per- like tony tony could have been on Cagney and lacey tony could have been on hill Street blues. Tony could have been in Serpico. Tony could have, you know what I mean? Like, Tony is is the perfect cipher for what it is to be like a late 70s, early 80s dirt bag yeah. in film or television. He is all of those things. It, it, like, if he would have been just a little sweatier, yeah. you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep so then, so, then, we cut to the news station, and this is something I've never noticed before, but it jumped out at me, so I don't know if you caught this, but on the monitors, they are looking at the images of the 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 dead woman from the very first scene from Ross filming her through the window, and he makes some comments like, "I don't know, do you think we can use this again on the ten o'clock news?" yeah. They are sitting there looking at footage that he grabbed through a window and Tamlin is just standing there matter-of-factly. Would it not bug her to know that they that they filmed this through the window and they were, like, putting images of this dead woman on the news? You would think be, so. Or, or am I being really—I mean— I I wouldn't put it above the news station. Right. It did jump out at me that it didn't bug Tamlin, but you got 43 minutes. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah. You know, so it's funny that you bring that up because one of the things that I did think a couple of times during the episode is that it felt like it, it it was one of those occur rare occurrences, um, that it could have, it could have used 10 extra minutes. Yeah. You know, um, I don't think it, I don't think it needed to sustain itself like as a two-parter, for instance. No, but if no. it could have just had like ten more minutes, sure, you know, it it would have given it a chance to breathe. I think we would have been able to appreciate Sam and Tamlin's relationship even more. Um, I think that it, it, it's interesting because the character of Tamlin gets some nice character development in the in the you know like first third of the episode, mm-hmm. and then she really does just become Sam's object of affection yeah. and potential victim that needs saving yeah. and it's unfortunate because i do i think that 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 gives the, the actress uh, some short shrift because clearly she has the, the depth to do a lot more and and i think that ultimately she doesn't get the chance to do that and i think what you're saying specifically would have been a perfect example of something that she could have been given that for whatever reason, time constraints probably, it just didn't happen. Yeah. So speaking of giving her more, so
1: so we go back to the next scene, and this is the story where, uh, or the scene where at the end, we get the, the reveal where she can see Sam for who he is. But before, mm-hmm. we get the story of how she learned that she was psychic. Yeah. And watching the scene, and I'm sure that Tamelin, the actor, not the character, but Tamlin the actor, was doing the scene as she was directed Like getting very emotional Telling the story about You know her mother came to bed And then she found out later that her mother had Must have been dead by the time she saw her mother Killed by a drunk driver So on and so forth Right. I really would have loved If she would have just told the story Very matter of factly Because this is a story that she's told a hundred times And like yeah My mom came to me during the night That's how I learned I'm cool yeah. with her. I just, I mean, uh, yes. I, I, I kind of wish that it wasn't so emotionally overwrought the way it was done. But like I said, I'm sure that Tamlin, the actor, was doing as she was directed.
0: My counterpoint to that would be: cause I, I don't disagree with you, by the way, at all. But, but just for for argument's sake, I will say that. Th- it does become a little bit more interesting and effective for the relationship that she has with Sam sure. if it is the first time that she's really ever told anyone this story. Uh, while I agree True. with you, if it's if, if, if this were, you know, real life, <laughs> that yes, she probably would have told this story before and it probably would have come out much more matter of fact. But I think just to heighten it and, and raise the stakes a little bit, if it's the first time she's telling this story, to Sam, it it helps to not only build that relationship, but, but I agree with what you're saying. I think that there is something of value and it's interesting to me, uh, as an audience member, if instead of it impacting and affecting Tamlin Matsuda as much as it did, it would have affected and impacted Sam Beckett. Yeah. Because as we see it in the episode, it's, it's, it becomes all about her and not as much about Sam. And that's not a problem. It's just. I think that that's just something that we're recognizing. Sure. And to what Scott Bakula does, it's,
1: um, you know, we talk like maybe he's not 100% on board. Maybe he's a little bit skeptical. I like, like, very subtly, it's just like the look on on Scott Bakula's face. Like, he's trying to pick the story apart in his head. Like, he's trying to figure out, like, what is the rational explanation?
0: Right. Yes. He's a man of science. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that, and this might be reading too much into it, although, again, I think you know all the credit in the world to Scott Bakula because clearly he is the type of actor and was invested in the show enough that I think for him that there would have been something about this that he would have identified with as well. Um, you know, the, the, this revelation coming from this character, and for him, the the, the raw... Uh, the rawness of the fact that, like, he had forgotten that his brother died. You yeah, know, that he had to be reminded of it based on a leap. You know that he got to see his father. Uh, you know, fairly recently, within the past year, we sure. can assume maybe. Yeah, uh, knowing that his father was going to die. That you know, that there's this connection with someone who's who's lost a family member in a way that is fairly traumatic. That he can easily identify with. Yeah. Um, and I think that the sense of kinship between the two of them that develops out of this and then his admission to who he is that comes afterwards it, it, it's a very cathartic experience for him. sure
1: yeah uh, and i mean, think for the
0: audience as well
1: yeah i mean like i said there's there's only uh you know 43 minutes in the episode uh you know i, I just thought like for the very first time ever like in the original history like how did sam find out that tom had died mm. was it was it a, a similar scene of like you know like you know, very, like Tamlin tells her story, like coming down for breakfast and seeing his dad crying
0: at the kitchen table. Well, no, because wouldn't have Sam been at MIT at that point? Uh, well, no, because
1: it was it was his last year at school. Because in the leap, home I part, thought in the leap home, part one, it's November and they're playing the basketball game and Tom dies the next spring. April the 8th, April the 8th. So I figure I've always assumed that that was Sam's last year in school. So he would have right, been in high Mi- school. Yeah, yeah he would have okay, been at okay. MIT the next year. Got it. Got it. I don't it, know, it, but okay. I have a feel. Uh, it's been years and years since I have read Pulitzer, and Pulitzer yeah. digs into that story. It would be interesting to go back and reread it if they actually spell out how how yeah how, how Sam found out about Tom in the original history. Yeah. I don't know. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, she gets very emotional. She goes over, stands by the mirror. Um, we see... Uh, oh, it's uh, such a great moment. Yeah, we do. I and, think for the viewer. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you, you know, we get... Uh, a lot of times I think the show is a little bit guilty of having... Um, having Sam leap into a Caucasian guy who is similar build similar attractiveness if that's the right word (laughs) as scott Bakula. Uh, and and when they have him leap into someone not the case it's usually for a plot point or some sort of comedic effect and i think this is one of those cases where uh dylan is clearly an older guy he's not as necessarily sophisticated or a good-looking older guy it just it looks weird for tamalin to be
0: with dylan right well because yeah dylan's age i don't think it's explicitly stated but it, he's it, almost it, i think he I think almost he's saying, 60
1: yeah i think uh i think in, in
0: the, i think oh well, you're right it I, is I, yeah he's
1: born 1926 al drops he's born in uh 59 yeah he that he's 59 and that he's like coming up on retirement basically he's washed up like he's at the yeah. end of his career but these murders have revived it um but anyway, so yeah, it's this, it's this beautiful moment, and it's the first time we have intentionally gotten Scott Bakula's reflection in the show.
0: Yeah, and it's worth noting, in addition to that, that we never see Dylan Powell's mirror image. Yeah, we do. We do? Yeah. When?
1: Uh, in the very first scene... And the very first scene, uh, like just as they're wrapping up after being alive on the air and in this scene, when she goes to the mirror and she's upset, Dylan, Dylan's mirror image walks up behind her. They go in for a close up on Tamlin and then when they pull back, it's Sam in the mirror.
0: Well, then let me just say that not only does my memory fail me, but so does IMDb because the actor is not credited on IMDb at all. Oh, well, that's I
1: think that's the first time ever it is that the actor hasn't been credited. But no, yeah, they uh, they show his mirror image twice.
0: I must have looked down. Both the
1: first times. thing, because it's it's it, yeah no because yeah because it's, it's it's like this beautiful little moment. It's a very simple, you know, it's a very simple. Not even like a camera trick; it's just a staging trick. Tamlin goes, and you see her reflection in the mirror. The actor playing Dylan walks up behind her and puts his hands on her shoulder. Extreme close-up of Tamlin's face, and it's all one single shot. And when they pull back, it's Scott Bakula in the mirror.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right, which is the which is what I the the specific moment that I was talking about is that yeah when, when you see it Sam in the mirror it's um I think it's a, it's it's sort of a profound moment for the viewer and for you know for consistent viewers of Quantum Leap in particular to, to see that you know I mean obviously anyone who's listening to this podcast like it's it's we've never really seen that before no like I said we, we catch
1: we've caught images of Scott Bakula's reflection by accident before right 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 uh, but this is uh, but this is the first this is the first time. Um, so Al shows up. And this is what I found interesting is that Al is, is all about like, no, you can't tell her who you are. And he he drops the line. Uh, you might you may not leap mm-hmm. if you tell her you may not leap, which I think is the first time. They've called back anything close to the rule from the first episode, because from the pilot episode, they dropped the rule that for them to be able to retrieve Sam, everybody has to believe he's the person who's replaced. And this is the first time they ever come back and, and call that back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe this is an instance of that rule isn't really true or it's an instance of here's someone that was going to know who he was regardless. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter um, to me.
1: That, I mean, that's such like a like a almost like a sorcery rule. Like, how is that based on any kind of science? Like, how does people's <laughs> know how how does people's knowledge of who he is affect whether
0: or not he can leap or retrieve him? So that yeah, I've never. Well, maybe you know what it is, and this is going to be my headcanon, Is maybe what it is is that if knowledge were to exist of the project and who he is and what was happening it could jeopardize the project actually taking place like what's to stop like if the wrong person were to find out for instance what would stop them from trying to find sam beckett sure and you know and doing something to him before he's able to start the project in which case you know paradoxes bloody bliddity yeah uh, i don't know that, you know, I, I think that I think that you can you can take it or leave it. It's up to the viewer to decide exactly what that rule is and why it is. But I think for me, that's kind of where I'm going to run with it is the idea that potentially, you know, they're they're concerned about the possible effect that it could have on the future of the project and it could jeopardize things. Sure. actually happening if someone in the past knew about it. Sure. Um.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. So Sam sits down. He tells her who he is, and I can't remember the exact dialogue around this. Here, but basically. Tamlin confesses that her judgment has been uh uh affected by love an (laughs) intense emotion like love yeah and I want to know what love is I want you to show yeah and here we go into the montage yeah um and I feel uh I Yeah, the, the, yeah you, you're, you're right. The montage is just a lot of cornball cheese. Uh, but the things I appreciate about it is that while it's not entirely laid out in the dialogue, it's just in the way that Scott Bakula holds himself and the scenes where they're just talking. Like you can feel like this huge weight yeah, has been lifted off of his
0: shoulders and that he yeah. can just be himself. It's, you know, yeah, it's very strange because I would almost argue it's the most comfortable we've ever seen him mm-hmm. in the entirety of the show. Yeah. That every other time we've seen him, you know, he's, he's, he's playing a character who's putting on a mask, um, you know, or he has an objective... The, these you know, this high stake, I have to stop somebody from getting killed, I have to do this, I have to do that and while obviously he does have this mission in this episode, that yeah, in the montage, he right up until the point where Al comes in and finds him, you know, asleep at his boxers, like there's there is, there's this weight that's been lifted from him and he's very relaxed and he's very comfortable and it is it, it is really nice to see and it is a marked difference from from what we usually see, so it's You know, kudos again to Scott Bakula for being awesome. Yeah.
1: And there's also a great
0: thing, because I think, like, as soon as Tamlin
1: knows who Sam is, the whole mirror conceit goes out the window. There's a great shot during the montage where they're standing in front of the the big windows in her apartment, Mm -hmm. and clearly you see Sam's reflection in the windows.
0: Which is funny, because that's mentioned as a goof, I believe, uh, on IMDb, and I don't think it is a goof at all. No. And and later... uh, and later on, when he's running
1: through Chinatown to, uh, uh, I think, to, to catch the person who he thinks is the killer, the the red herring, um, he runs across, he runs in front of a storefront. And you, again, clearly see Sam's reflection. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's one of those things like it's, they just use that as an excuse. Like, OK, we don't have to worry about filming things in a certain way so we don't see Scott Bakula's reflection. Here we go. Let loose. Yeah. Uh, but particularly in the montage, seeing his reflection in the mirror. Is. Uh, yes. I think it's intentional. It's intentional. And the thing yeah. and, and, and you have to know that when Sam looks in the mirror, he still sees Dylan. Or, really or, or else he would have had a bigger reaction. Right. Like if, this was the, like, if this was the first time he was seeing himself in quite a while, there would have been a reaction. If he yeah. had more time, that would have really been interesting for for Sam to be able to see himself in the mirror because Tamlin sees him.
0: Right. Um, uh, you know, I have to say, just because of the series finale, I'm actually glad that he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I think that's much, you know, what happens in the season, the series finale is much more impactful because it's, you know, it is the first time he's seen himself in five years. Yeah. Um, so for what it's worth, just because we've talked about the montage, and we mentioned earlier that uh, the episode title "Temptation Eyes" is actually the title of a song by the band The Grassroots, uh, written by Dan Walsh and Harvey Price. Uh, that the chorus of "Temptation Eyes" is rather fitting because it goes, "Temptation eyes looking through my soul." Temptation Eyes, you got to love me, got to love me tonight. So it works. Yeah. yeah oh, But 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 it would not be nearly as wonderful as being able to hear Dennis sing I want to feel. I what love love is. Is. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
1: some yeah, someone take that montage, put the put we can just put different songs over it. We can oh just God. see what we can do. <laughs>
0: No, I want like here the go. Bitty go. Hill theme song playing. Yeah. Over
1: no, no, no! <laughs> oh, we we, we we can do a ten. This here we go. Like love, like love, and they start kissing. Here we go. It's been a long road. Oh no! Getting from there to here. Oh God! It's been a
0: long time. It actually kind of <laughs> works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's uh, so let's move on to uh, to to a comedic moment after Sam is yeah. awakened by, but, Al by by the way, he, we
1: should we should note that over these two weeks, we keep cutting to the moon,
0: and oh, the moon right, yes. keeps
1: getting fuller and fuller and fuller because it's she's killed on Valentine's Day and killed on a full moon.
0: So anyway, right. Which two weeks later, we also know that. It was not actually a full moon on February 14th, 1985. It was only a quarter moon. But that's neither here nor there. But hey, for the purposes of our wonderful television program, sure. we'll let it slide. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. No, that, that is that is a, a good point because it helps to indicate the passage of time and kind of getting us closer and closer to the, uh, the date that Tamlin originally was murdered. Um, but again, one of the things that this episode does well is balancing kind of all of these you know... Um, different feelings and emotions and, and while being a kind of a dark episode at times uh we get some more comedic moments and and al uh you know oddly enough while being al is not nearly as al as we have seen him at other times no, especially he, when it comes to sam every, having yes. sex
1: well also i mean we could uh, we could uh, we could go off on a whole tangent like is al being the way he is because don is back at the project mm. and this is just like, this isn't Sam doing something for the purpose of the leap. Like, this is Sam doing this for himself entirely.
0: Right. And every well, time, and we, and every time he steps about, out of the imaging chamber, he's got to see Donna. You know, and we've talked about this before, um, that sometimes, you know, as, as Donna has you know stated in, in Leap Home, that, um, or excuse me, Leap Back, uh, that that she kind of understands that Sam has to do what he has to do to complete his mission, uh, and that sometimes it involves him becoming romantically involved with other characters. The, that the or the people rather. That the the thing is that as we've talked about over the course of the podcast, that that sometimes gets a little, little icky. Yeah, you know. The, um, I think that, this is the non ickyest though. Absolutely it is. It yeah. is to, to, to use an oft overused word. It is the least problematic. Yes, uh, in yeah. fact it is in fact, one could argue it is absence of any problematic circumstances whatsoever. Yeah. Um, because Tamlin knows exactly who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I, again, I am, I'm more going to kind of side on the fence of the because of the conceit of the show. Yes. I buy into it, I accept it. I' not you know I'm not here to judge it. But I also do think it's worth having the conversation in particular where we are in 2019 and in particular with some of the news that we have heard in the very, very recent past uh, that it is worth at least discussing and, and raising the question of, is it okay that he does these things? And this is one time that we can say without any doubt whatsoever that, yes, this is okay, except, as you noted, it does make us wonder... What, you know, what is happening with Donna back at Project Quantum League. Sure. Um, how much of this is she aware of? Yeah. You know, how much of this is Al kind of maybe skirting around it a little bit? Sure. Um, so it does, yeah, it does kind of make you wonder. And as we were talking about earlier with Scott Bakula and kind of, you know, being invested with the show. I mean, Dean Stockwell was as well. So perhaps that is that is a layer that he decided to bring to it, in fact, even if it's not explicit in the script. um. Buddy decides to have some fun with Sam here when he shows up with his cigar smoke curling through the camera lens uh, yes. as, as, uh, as Sam gets out of bed and he's, he's clad in his boxers. Yes. And what lovely boxers they are.
1: And it's Valentine's Day. That's right. Yeah. And they are a Valentine's Day gift. Sure. They were a Valentine's <laughs> Day gift. Um, And so, yeah, so Sam, yeah, hearts, so Sam is kind of resentful that, uh, that Al is kind of here breaking up the party and like Sam has to go back to, to being Sam being the hero. And, um, so yeah, again, so yeah, uh, so Sam now, or or Al has an update. They, they know where Tony is at. Yes. Why they haven't been working on this for two weeks. Let's not worry about that. Uh, but they know where but they know where Tony's at and again as we pointed out it is obvious that Al or Sam has not told Tamlin about Al. Yeah. I turned to Betsy at this point in the episode last night when I realized this and I literally almost started crying. Mm. I was just upset on behalf of Al that Sam didn't tell Tamlin about him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, you know that's it, honestly it's it's something that I didn't I didn't think about um, to the degree that that you're you're mentioning. It. But I mean, I think that that is more than valid, and and it is a um, it yeah, it it is kind of a bit of a hole, if you will. Yeah. Um, it it, it does not make sense that he would not mention Al. Yeah. Um, or that if he did mention Al, why wouldn't he just tell her that Al is the observer? You know, Al's, yeah. Al comes to him and helps him. Yeah. Um, I mean, how much more interesting
1: would, it, would these final few scenes have been if if very if if like they didn't have to like make a meal out of it. But like, oh, here's Al. Right.
0: Say hi to Al. And yeah. And, yeah. And the thing is, is the thing, it wouldn't have changed, it, 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 it would not have had to have changed too much, because the conceit could have still existed that she could not see or hear Al. Yeah. That she could feel some sort of weird presence, yeah. I mean, and that Sam could have absolutely, like you said, taken the opportunity to be like, Al's here right now. Yeah. And mean, there could have been a nice little moment of like, hi Al, I, I've heard so much about you, it's nice to meet yeah. you. Very much like, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but from two episodes ago, Unchained.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, very very similar yes. to that. It's like... Like, he believes in Al's existence, but actually can't see or hear Al. That'd Absolutely. That would have been very interesting. Um, so, now, so now they go out uh, to the street. Yeah, so this is where we get Sam's reflection. He's running down uh, to the Foghorn. I don't know if that's a location or an area, but that's where Tony is at. Uh, yeah. But he's going to chase Tony down. Now, this is, uh, this is something I noticed about the music in this scene and i don't i don't know if it's racist problematic or
0: what yep do you know what, do, you, do you do you know what i'm going to say uh you, i mean you go ahead but it's it's uh i i the thing is is it's not really the first time that something like that has happened because when she's going over the book in the uh police station as well that it, it is interesting the choice of music that they decide to go with
1: well i didn't uh the music didn't stick out to me in the police station scene but in this scene um Yes, but it is a very. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think they lift the music directly, but it is very much, very, very much in the same vein of the music uh, over scenes of tension in the Leap Home Part Two, Vietnam. Oh yeah! Right, right, right. Yes, yes. Yeah. As 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 Sam is playing cat and mouse and with Tony in the alley. Yeah. Like I said, it's not directly lifted, but they are using, like, the. I, I'm not uh, enough educated in music to know, like, the, the, the actual terms, but it is. They are using the exact same motifs in that music than they did in the Vietnam episode. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know.
0: Yeah. I don't. Yeah, it's it. I I think it might be a little questionable at the very least. Yeah, Um, you know, and certainly, I I wonder if it's the same choice they would have had today. Um, Yeah, I don't know though. I don't know. Yeah. The funny thing is, is that one of the things that sometimes I think is easy to forget about Quantum Leap in retrospect is that. It, it, it was a primetime network television program. And the truth of the matter is, I don't watch hardly any primetime network television. I don't watch your NCIS's or CSI's or, or, or whatnot or whatever. So, for all I know, they're doing the same shit today. Do you know what I mean? Like a scene takes place in Chinatown, and that's the music that they use. So, yeah. I. So I, I and, and, and that's a deficiency, I guess, because I, I guess I, I just. Maybe I should know that, but I don't know it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So speaking of NCIS, here's a tangent. So I saw this like
1: clickbait article today that was shared saying uh, whether or not Scott Bakula is going to return for the next season of NCIS New Orleans. He is. Oh, yeah. He is. But I thought about <laughs> I thought about just going into a Quantum Leap, uh, or not a Quantum Leap, but going into a Scott Bakula fan group and just dropping the nugget that Scott Bakula won't be able to do good work again until they cancel that show. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there to see what people would say. Um, I, I have a feeling most people would hate me. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so he catches Tony, but then the twist is, is that Al reports that Tamlin still dies, even though they catch Tony. Yeah. And they figure out that uh, Tony must be a copycat killer.
0: Yeah yeah um which is I think interesting in and of itself because it you know it makes fairly explicit that the the crimes that have been committed have you know this domino effect that go far beyond you know these these six women that have already been murdered yeah um, and now you have someone else who's you know who's basically been empowered for lack of a better word to go out and do the same thing, yeah. Um, and 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 you know, in the original history, we know that it was eleven oh, women yeah. total. Um, and it makes you wonder. It's like, well, how many? How many were? How many did Tony kill? How many did? Yeah. So, I mean, let's just a minute.
1: Ross is the killer.
0: Ross is the killer
1: of the first five women. So yes. So here's the plot hole that just occurred to me at the start of the episode. If Tony killed the sixth victim. And let's say that that's the first victim and that Ross has killed the first five. Yeah. Even still. Dylan was tipped off to that sixth murder. How could that have happened if Ross
0: wasn't the killer? So the only thing I will say to that, because I, because I, I'm on board with you 100%. Is I'm patching I'm patching holes cuz the okay. hole is there without a okay. doubt. Okay. All right. My patch for the hole is if Tony is a copycat and he and and and, and everyone is aware that the killer has been tipping off this uh, one reporter, okay. then why wouldn't Tony do the same thing, right? That's that's fair. Touche. <laughs> Touche. But
1: but, but but no, you, that's a good point. Yeah. But to that point I mean there's only so much you can do in television you couldn't telegraph it too much but
0: was that weird for Ross? Right? Right? Or maybe 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 it emboldened Ross. Maybe it made Ross think like I'm inspiring other people to do my work. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe like, that's why he chilled for 2 weeks. Very very good point. Just to see what would happen. Yeah. See if Tony would take out anyone else? Yeah. Like, if Tony was was taking out other people,
1: and if Tony was, like, taking over, like, even calling Dylan, well, I don't have to do it anymore.
0: Right, right, right. And now he can kind of have a clear conscience. Sure. As he and Dylan hopefully ascend to the highest of heights in network television. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So let's... So uh, weird. Yeah, so we get back to the news station, and we find out that... During this two-week absence of Dylan's,
0: he missed Ross's birthday, February thirteenth. The first time in twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. All right. So, real quick, one thing that I want to mention is that uh, Ross is played by James Handy, who I'm, you know, y- y- you probably recognize. I mean, the guy has done tons of stuff. Um, one of his earliest roles is in one of my favorite films uh, ever. Uh, it was a film uh, called The Verdict, which starred Paul Newman. Um, brilliant movie. You should check it out. David Mamet actually wrote the script for it. It is probably one of the more unMamet like scripts uh, that you will see, uh, and, and I think that that's a good thing. That, that's, um, that's
1: especially these days, that's going for him.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but Paul Newman is absolutely brilliant. It's it, it's probably, and this is saying something. If anyone knows anything about Paul Newman, it's probably one of Paul Newman's greatest performances he is absolutely mind-blowingly incredible in this film uh it's it's just it's, it's a brilliant piece of work and and i highly highly recommend it um in addition to that he also had roles um in The Rocketeer, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, West Wing, Alias, uh, and all the way right up until NCIS, he's still uh, uh, working to this day, uh, you know, lots of other stuff um, uh, on his uh, uh, resume, uh, just, uh, I mean, consistently working in film and television, uh, and again, it's, it's it's a sure bet that y- you probably recognize him uh, from something, just from because, something. again, there's there's been... There's been a lot. <laughs> yeah. He was in uh, a uh, an episode of Vegas. Do you
1: remember that show? Oh yeah, short-lived one season. Dennis Quaid, Michael Chiklis. Oh, what happened to Michael Chiklis? he had. <sighs> yeah, s- I,
0: he had it's such funny. A, I was thinking about that earlier myself. He had
1: such a good revival, and then and then with between uh, Vegas and uh, uh, No Ordinary Family, um, and he's just kind of. He's just kind of dropped off
0: yeah you, you know i to to his credit uh i you know i would certainly argue that the work that he did on the shield um hopefully uh will be remembered and, and recalled because it, it, it was at the time i think for for something that wasn't on hbo uh really pushed the envelope oh, it, with what you could do i
1: yeah, I feel like the shield you know, gets short shrift. Like I feel yeah. like, especially for basic cable, like it kicked off like showing what basic cable could do. Exactly, and and I feel like it's kind of been forgotten. Yep. But yeah. Uh oh, he he's been on Gotham. He's been on a couple seasons of Gotham. Yeah, forty one episodes. Okay, all right. He, yeah. He's staying busy. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that, Michael Chiklis. You're not listening. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, anyway, so James Handy, who plays Ross, uh, um, you know, does a wonderful job, I, I think, in, in this episode, um, because one of the things that this scene does is that, you, you know, it, I think it's hard as a viewer to, to maybe not have some... Weird feelings about Ross, just because he is he is kind of an interesting guy, if you will. Oh yeah. Uh, that said, this scene is played very well, so that you can't help but feel a little sorry for the guy, because you're like, oh man, Sam leapt into his best friend, and now Sam's gotten to be Sam for the past two weeks, and that's awesome. But poor Ross has just been left to you know sit sit at home with a bottle, apparently. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, you can't feel too sorry for him, all things considered, but,
0: yeah. Well, right. Yeah. It's a nice, I guess it's a nice, it's not, you don't buy it 100%, but yeah. I think that there is an element of sort of bait and switch here. The idea that, like, you're kind of like, oh, poor Ross, his birthday got forgotten, and then all of a sudden there's the sucker punch of like, oh, yeah, but he's the murderer all along, oh, you yeah, know. Oh, yeah, but he's, yeah. Um,
1: so we are, so we're back in the news station, so we get the reveal that, that Dylan missed Ross' birthday. The killer calls dylan yep phone ring. sam picks it up um the killer is talking over sam the entire time but we get the reveal in the last scene ross is the killer he's uh he was some kind of an engineer in the army where it would be easy for him to like set up a pre-recorded tape over a phone call so that's why the killer keeps talking over sam because it's a pre-recorded thing that um this overwhelms tamlin tamlin goes to the bathroom uh, she says she's got to wash her face And this is when Sam and Al have this conversation In the hallway um, Let's get to that conversation Here in a second uh, But literally <laughs> like, I, I, It's been so long since I saw this episode I thought Tamlin was going to sneak out of the bathroom And run away Oh interesting And Sam was going to have to chase her down to Chinatown Okay, Because it's one of those moments Where, where like, she says Oh I just got to wash my face And she goes into the bathroom It's like just one of those tropes of like, oh, this is where they disappear. Right, right, right. Uh, But no, she's actually washing her face. And so Sam comes up with this weird logic that no matter what they do, they can't escape their fate. So instead of running from it, let's just go to Chinatown where she gets killed. Yeah. Which I don't understand. But also we're 35 minutes into the episode and she gets killed in Chinatown and we got to get to Chinatown somehow.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Um, it, 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 it is, uh, you know, like, as we've mentioned many times, the fact that we're network television, that we've got 45 minutes to tell the story, that some things do indeed just have to happen for sure. convenience's yeah. sake yeah. You know, to move things along. Yeah. And this is one of them. Yeah. And one thing that I will say is that the exterior location shooting of Chinatown is fantastic. Oh yeah. There's there's really just some great camera work, great direction that takes place here, um, and and it, it it's one of those times when you know again the 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 show as a whole gets elevated due to some really really fine work. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 some, it's some good stuff. Um, and as we kind of move in towards our climax here. Uh, Good old
1: Ross. Yep. Good old Ross. Well, I mean, what can you say? Yeah, there, there's this weird thing where, where Sam chases down this poor Asian woman. Yeah, uh, that's just a mistaking her for the killer. Yeah, that's just a weird thing because it's hard to believe, like even for a second, like Sam thinks that she's it. But right. I, yeah, anyway. Um, and I think the most interesting thing about this uh, about this last scene one that jacket that Al is wearing. I want. I want to tweet at John. I want to tweet at <laughs> John Jean- Pierre, and I just want to get that entire outfit, uh, yeah, but right. especially that jacket. And I don't know if you know. It's like there's one. Uh, there's one particular like long shot of them standing in the street, and Al's shoes match the jacket.
0: Absolutely,
1: they do. Um, so I just want to get that outfit. But uh, it's Ross almost kills Tamlin but then he lets her go, and then he commits suicide.
0: Yes, not that,
1: before the, Sam and
0: Tamlin try to save him. Yeah, that is such a, a weird, like, non-Quantum Leap moment. Yeah. You want to know what's really funny, actually, not not necessarily funny, but, but just odd, is that I was, uh, you know, you get on kicks and you want to watch certain things, I was actually re-watching, have been re-watching... Um, another early '90s television program uh, by the title of "Forever Night." Um, for those that aren't aware, it's about a vampire yep. detective in Canada um, who is, you know, trying to find a way to be mortal and human again, yeah. uh, and, and does everything he can to kind of stave off the vampirism. Well, he, uh, at one point in, a, I think it's like the fifth episode of the first season, uh, there is a woman who has been sort of. Seducing slash hypnotizing men to get them to you know commit crimes for her, and uh, they end up on top of a building, and uh, he has you know found her out, and, and and you know she's cornered, she has nowhere to go, she's going down for all these crimes, and what does she do? She jumps off a building, much like Ross does, and I literally watched these episodes back to back, <laughs> and had no idea that that was the way that they ended, and so to watch two episodes, these two like mysteries basically back to back, where the the killer, the villain jumps off a building and commits suicide at the end it was very striking and the fact that they were made around similar times as well it was just sort of like huh i guess this is what you did back in the early 90s i mean
1: i guess yeah maybe that that was more of a i mean yeah it's just like it's such a weird moment for quantum leap because quantum leap usually isn't that kind of show
0: right but hey it's i think that what it is to me to me and 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 i you know I, i think that this is it, it happens enough that that I feel comfortable saying this, that it is kind of a trope where rather than have our hero kill the villain, the villain meets their demise in some other fashion, and it helps to kind of protect our hero's nobility. You know, our hero didn't have to kill the villain. The villain, you know, saw no other way out so that, you know, they, they met their own demise, you know, made up their own demise. Yeah. Um it's, you know, it, it, it's it's strange. I, I don't feel like this. we need a content warning for this because it, it's a very different kind of thing. But when you think about it, we've had two episodes in a row that deal with, touch on in some fashion suicide in very, very, very different, different ways. Whereas I feel
1: like definitely like we had to do the content warning for Running for Honor. It's like this one is suicide out of plot convenience and right. almost like shock value yeah uh and also frankly who cares if if a guy who's been murdering women for tv ratings kills himself
0: yeah (laughs) yeah you know That sums it up right there you know yeah no there's a whole man we could go down one hell of a heavy dark path right now (laughs) talking about that with like you know murder suicides all that sort of shit but
1: you know oh, we're talking about quantum oh, leap so oh, God. Oh, oh, after ross buys it yeah ross <laughs> ross buys it we see the dummy fall off the side of the building we get a nice uh what was the name of the the the, the character in les ms who uh uh oh,
0: M- yeah. javert
1: javert yeah uh, yeah yeah after he does his javert moment Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so now we cut to the last scene, and uh, Sam, Sam's t- time to go, huh?
0: Yeah, he's saying goodbye, and we get this really nice variation on, um, you know, the uh, the theme, yep. the 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 whole thing, the sweet from leap home, um, and it's uh, it's yeah, the music plays well. The moment between the two of them is really really nice, and you know you, you can't help but feel bad for both of them. Um, I think that, you know, the, the interesting thing is is that both of these characters have kind of given themselves over to the fact that they had a limited, they they had a limited amount of time. And Mm -hmm. so they tried to pack a lot in, in those, in those two weeks. Yeah. Um, but it still doesn't make it any, I think, less bittersweet that now they're having to say goodbye. Yeah.
1: And I love how, how Sam, like, I may come back and and Tamlin's like, don't Amy pawn me. Don't. <laughs> don't don't do what Al did to Teresa, right, right, right. At the end of at the end of uh, another mother, don't do that. We're leaving. We're not going to see each other again. Let this relationship be what it was. Yeah, it was fun. We truly loved each other. Now it's time to say goodbye.
0: And I know the, you know. I go ahead. Well, the interesting thing to me is, and, and kind of plays into what I was saying earlier about jeopardizing Project Quantum Leap or whatever. Really, truly, what's to stop? Tamlin Matsuda in 1985 from trying to track down Sam Beckett in
1: 1985 uh, I, I think because during those two weeks even though he may have left Al out of the story I think uh, Tamlin knows all the good that Sam has done over the last four years mm-hmm. and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to change that
0: that's great I like it. She doesn't. I she
1: like, doesn't like it. She doesn't want to. Uh, she doesn't want to screw that up. Yeah, that's what I think. Um, and I know you know it's the conceit of the show. We always see Sam leap out. We always see where Sam's going. How neat would have it been instead of having Sam leap out as he traditionally does? What if they went in and embraced, and they did like uh, basically they did a callback to the reveal earlier in the episode? They go in, they hug, close in on Tamlin, pull back, and you see a very confused Dylan yeah. pulling back from her.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing is, as I will say to that, is that if that were to have happened, uh, it would be interesting to finally get some idea of what occurs when Sam leaps out and the original person leaps back in. Yeah. Because it's something, you know, up to now, it's just all idle speculation of what yeah. we think happens or what we think, because we don't know. Yeah. We don't know if they, if we, you know, the theory, of course, is is that they, they leap back in and they they kind of get some of Sam's memories of the time that he was there and, you know, or, or, or maybe Al is, or Verbena Beaks is filling them in while they're in the waiting room, waiting to leap back into their life just so that they can kind of get back to, to normal and know what happened in their absence or whatever the case may be. But yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's not what we get, but no, I mean, but they, they,
1: I mean, they would have had to have lingered on it. Like they could have just pulled back. Dylan looks confused. Tamlin is heartbroken because she has confirmation that Sam is gone. And then they could have instantly gone to the leap of showing where Sam goes next. Right. Anyway, but what are you going to do? Uh, so where's Sam going next? He's going to Westworld.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. He's going to Westworld. Um, yeah. So this leap out, uh, you, you know, I mean, let's face it. Most of the people listening r- right now uh, are well aware that uh, he has not leapt into the Old West. Yeah. But it is worth noting. And I remember, I this is actually a, a leap out that I do remember when I was younger um, Seeing and being like, well, wait a minute—he can't leap into the old west. And it, so, it is interesting that we're we're kind of getting a run of—they're—they're they're clearly trying some new things. Yeah. You know, uh, um, we've gotten some episodes recently where, that have been very different from what we've seen prior, and I feel like they're they're well earned. Yeah. You know, um, tackling the 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 at the time controversial subject matter that Running for Honor did. Um, doing a story like Temptation Eyes, doing a leap out into a setting where you're just sort of like, wait, he can only leap in his own lifetime. How is he a gunfighter in the Old West? All of that sort of stuff. And obviously we'll get these explanations coming up, but I think that, um, unlike what's going to happen in season five when they decide to try new things, that they're trying new things in a way that still stay true to the spirit of the show itself. Yeah. um, And still kind of fit within the framework of the show itself. Uh, and, and, And... I think personally that the run of episodes that we've had you know, these past four episodes or so are probably the strongest that we've had in season four. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, since the the first episode. Yeah,
1: I would agree. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, leaping into the old west. And here, here's one more thing I'll say: I wish they would have done. This would have been a nice callback to an earlier episode. Early on, when Tamlin figure out who Sam is, and and he says, "I'm Sam Beckett." I would have loved if Tamlin had said, "Any relation to the playwright?" The Playwright, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> uh, man, that, yeah. That that would have been nice. Anyway, so that's uh, so that's our episode.
0: Final thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good episode. I. I uh, I think that it's the type of episode that you have to be already invested in Quantum Leap to really, truly enjoy. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that you can't have this be, you know, your first or eighth or tenth episode that you've ever watched. I think that you probably have to kind of be a fan of the show and be a little bit invested in the program to, to, to really appreciate it for what it is. Um, but that said i I think it holds up well, and I think that um, it ends up kind of being thus far one of the standouts of season four. yeah, I would agree with with all yeah. of that like i said i i don't I could figure it out if I want to
1: but 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 I'm busy and we're packing for a move, so i don't have everything out. I would love if any listeners that we have, if they are savvy and if they have the time to do it, I just want people to take different variations of the montage. And put different oh music. God. Put different music over it. Take, make it, make it. Temptation eyes. Make it faith of the heart. Make it the fifth season theme song. Make it fate's wide wheel. Make it fate's <laughs> wide <laughs> wheel. Make it somewhere in the night. Yes. Make it all of the. <laughs> that would have worked too. Oh, make it all of the because right now, uh, when does Piano Man take place? Eighty six.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. So
1: somewhere right now, the I can't remember his name right now, but somewhere right now, the guy that Sam leaped into in Piano Man is sitting down and he is writing the lyrics to to somewhere in 1985. That's right. It's in the works. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so uh, we uh, you have kind of taken over like the the podcasting side because we switched uh, podcasting hosting sites a couple weeks ago. And uh, you discovered recently that we we're
0: picking up new listeners somewhere. Yeah, um, it certainly seems like it, you know. And uh, by the time they get to this episode, they'll have been listening for a while. But uh, that said, uh, you know, certainly just wanted to kind of point out and and, and thank the, the the new listeners that we have because it certainly seems based on the the analytics that I'm seeing that we're having, um, you know, older episodes in. You know, chronological order for the most part. Um, getting you know fresh downloads, yeah. uh, which is something that you don't necessarily see. And 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 I think um, the due to the nature of this podcast, you know, the content kind of is as evergreen as it possibly could be, just because we're talking about a show that's been off the air for yeah. you know twenty five years. I mean, yeah, sometimes uh, you talking about current events, but yeah, right, right, right. But uh, no, it's, it's it is really cool to see. And so for anyone who is. You know, a newer listener. Not only thank you for listening, but you know, please feel free to join in the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. And um, you know, we we always enjoy engaging. Uh, but it, but it is it's, it's it's cool to kind of um, know that uh, it's this isn't just an endeavor that is you know every time we release a new episode, a few people download it listen to it and move on to the next one but that you know we were getting people that are listening for the first time and starting at square one and you know starting with genesis and, and going all the way up to uh, uh the b-man yeah. uh, which seems to be the yeah. where, it's
1: it's it's interesting in the journey because you're uh where i can't remember where we were at about a year ago when Hattie was born we just get older and more haggard and a little less frequent <laughs> Yeah, as the God, show, ain't that the truth? As, as the show goes on, uh, yeah.
0: But yeah, yeah. thank you for listening. I know, thank, you, I mean, uh, we're, thank we're, you for we're, the
1: comments online, and
0: yeah. And, and and yeah, we're we're just we're very grateful that people are still along for the ride, and and I think that I, I can again speak for both of us when I say that uh, you know we're sorry that we've not been as punctual as we used to be, uh, because I know it's something we prided ourselves in with releasing you know new episodes uh, on a regular basis, but. Obviously, you know when you set out to do uh, basically a hundred episodes of a podcast, it's not it's not going to be easy to um, keep it up uh, on that regular basis because life happens, and um, right. you know being fairly new dads, and you know having moves and uh, and travel plans, etc., etc. You know it, it, it happens, but uh, but we're 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 committed. We're gonna be here. We're gonna get through this. We're gonna to get to mirror image. And
1: uh, hey, you, you know what? Even even slowed down as we are, we're st- we're still further along than the other two quantum leap podcasts.
0: There you go. So there we there go. There you go. There folks. we go. Uh, the quantum. Leap, In fact, I can the, safely say that we're the only quantum leap podcast that has ever covered this episode. That yes, we are. <laughs>
1: we are uh, because the the quantum leap podcast. Uh, they got to take that title because they they started first back in twenty thirteen. They, they were first, yeah, yeah, they were first. Um, I think they recently did Permanent Wave. Okay, so that's how far along they are. And then I, I've said it before, Becca to the Future, which was doing the podcast like they were doing episodes like by leap date order. They just dropped off in September, and I go back and I check on their page every now and then, and they they just they just stopped. They disappeared. No announcement. No nothing. Just yeah, stopped. Um, and I even listened to their last episode, and there was no mention of anything about slowing down for a while. But uh,
0: but here we are. Well, you know, I I have to say that that um, I I think that the fact that there is a fan community that exists to this day that can support you know Facebook pages and uh, websites and. You know, at one time, at one time, there were three quantum leap podcasts running. yeah. Um, and, and and certainly, you know we we have been able to be the, the most consistent of the bunch at this point. Um, which is gratifying, but at the same time, uh, the fact that there are three podcasts out there that exist that are dedicated solely to quantum leap uh, is pretty cool and, yeah. and it reinforces the reason why we do this because it's clear that there are people out there. love and appreciate this show just as much as we do um you know and and at the end of the day like the folks over at the quantum leap podcast i mean let's face it some of those folks are um are pros you know what they do and 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 have garnered um some some pretty great interviews and and done some really cool things and so all the respect and love to them Uh, and back into the future you know had a had a interesting slant uh to to take at the show which is you know which is great and um you know we're just two guys that uh bonded over our mutual love. love that's that's
1: where we are, slowly but surely and,
0: yeah, and, and yeah, and we're and here we are, you know, leaping leaping from one week to the next, to the hoping next. that our next leap, yeah. will, will so, get us to the mirror image, yeah, you know, and, and like very similar, like if you're catching
1: up on their podcast, like hey, the next episode is instantaneous for you, but we've been trying to get our shit organized for six weeks,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, you know what here's to hoping that uh that we'll we'll get uh, the last gunfighter out uh, you know in a uh, a quicker manner yeah. uh, to follow up with this episode um but uh yeah, you know it's just nice to be able to say and, and we've said it a couple of times because we did the thirtieth anniversary episode and all that sort of stuff but it's uh it's great that that people are still listening and interacting with us, and we're really grateful for that because otherwise we're just two dudes you know
1: talking into talking the into
0: the abyss. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Well, we should leap out of here. Uh, We should. Yeah, we should. uh, We should. We should leap out of here, and uh, we will see you next time. We will see you. How about this? We will see you for your next download. There you go. (laughs) A fate's wide wheel. Whether point and phrases. Yeah,
0: whether that be uh, next week or two weeks or three weeks from now. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone. Take care of yourselves and one another in the meantime, and uh, we're going to leap out of here, but we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.